everyone. Welcome to Mercy Talk. I am one of your hosts, Melanie Wise. And I'm your other host, Jen Otero. Mercy Talk is presented to you by Mercy Multiplied, a nonprofit Christian organization that is committed to seeing hope restored and lives transformed through the love and power of Christ. Since 1983, Mercy has helped thousands of young women break free from life-controlling behaviors and struggles through our free-of-charge, biblically-based residential program. That's right. And Mercy's outreach activities are designed to educate, equip, and empower men and women of all ages to live free and to stay free. So on Mercy Talk, we want to tackle real-life issues and everyday struggles that affect our lives by applying the same biblically-based principles of freedom that we've seen effectively change lives for 35 years. To find out more, go to mercymultiplied.com. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Mercy Multiplied. Well, welcome back to Mercy Talk, everyone. We are so, so excited about these next couple of shows that we have coming up. We have two very special guests joining us on Mercy Talk today, uh, Pastor Mike Burnett and his wife, Stephanie. Mike is the lead pastor at Life Point Church in Clarksville, Tennessee, which is our neighbor yes. in Nashville. Um, and it is a church that we at Mercy have come to just love so very much. Um, we have connected with Life Point in so many different ways. And um, we'll share more about that at some point. But um, just to really become good friends with you guys and so many at your church. And um, Pastor Mike and Stephanie have come and spoken here to our residents. They've had Nancy Alcorn come out and speak at their church and at events that they've had there. And so it's just a really cool relationship that we have with them. And we're pumped that they're here. Their church is just exploding mm -hmm. I would say is probably the best word, word. <laughs> in a really good way exploding um, in fact fun fact everyone this is new released information uh, last month it was listed by Outreach Magazine and Lifeway Research as the fastest growing church yes. in the United States so amazing it's pretty big. Um, and so we are just so excited to have you guys with us. Thank you so much for joining us. I can't imagine pastoring the fastest growing church in the <laughs> United States, what your life looks like, calendar looks like. And so we're super grateful to you guys for, for being here. So we're going to have a lot of fun. Um, we are, we're going to kind of be, we're going to be focusing on a teaching that Mike actually just did recently in our home, like I mentioned, mm -hmm. and he did a teaching on the topic of identity. And so, Jen, do you want to kind of lead into that? Yeah. Well, last week we posted this teaching mm -hmm. and it was so great. Mm -hmm. It was really great for our residents and our staff, but it was just a time of teaching on identity. And if you had a chance to listen, we also had a disclaimer at the beginning about some of the sensitive language that was in that <laughs> teaching. And I'll tell you why. We left it in there because it actually spoke so clearly mm -hmm. to what the world tries to tell us about our identity yep. and what God says about our identity. And so we hope that you were able to tune into that because it was really great. But it is also just a setup to our conversation over the next couple of weeks about our identity, what God has to say about us and mm -hmm. how that correlates with really walking as healthy sons and daughters of God. Because ultimately, before we're anything else, we're sons and daughters. And when we can walk that out and understand whose we are, we can understand all the more who we are. And so, Mike, would you start off with kind of sharing a little bit about your own story, anything you feel like you'd like to share as far as identity? I know later this month we shared on some things and it's kind of a big, broad question to ask. But when it comes to coming to a healthy identity in Christ, can you share a little bit about your journey to that place? Oh, yeah. Uh, thanks for having Stephanie and me. We yes. love being here. Yes. Thank yeah. you so much. And to your point about um, the church, we don't know what it's like to pastor the fastest growing <laughs> church either. We don't have a clue what we're doing. Still feel that way a lot of times. Mm. 
And uh, by the way, we give all glory to Jesus first, and yeah. we give a lot of honor to our teams. They have done a phenomenal job mm-hmm. leading and serving our church well. So we yeah. don't take any credit. We certainly seem to get a lot of the applause, but we want to deflect that as much as we can. Yeah, um, that's good. Because we're constantly surprised by it. We took over a church eight years ago that was uh, about five months from foreclosure on a property under 100 people. Wow. And so our goal was just to help people find Jesus and my my hope, honestly, back in seminary, I remember asking God, if you'll ever let me pastor a church that lost people want to go to, yeah. that's what I want to do. That's I don't, awesome. I don't want to, um, I, I love pastoring Christians, obviously, yeah. I do a lot of that, but <clears throat> I wanted to lead a church that I would have gone to hmm. when I wasn't saved yeah. and could have met the Lord. Mm-hmm. Uh, honestly, that kind of comes back around to the question that you asked. So I, I grew up youngest of three boys, single mom. Uh, she was a hard worker, worked two jobs until I was about 14 or 15 years old. Um, my brothers and I really, we joke now that we kind of raised each other. It was like mm-hmm. a pack of wolves. <laughs> but uh, we were the kids that neighbors would say, you're the reason we're moving out of the neighborhood. So we didn't really have good male leadership or influence yeah. in our lives. My parents never lived in the same zip code uh, mm-hmm. after they got divorced. And so not really around my dad a whole lot. And uh, we had actually moved from, we're originally from New Orleans, moved from Louisiana to Tennessee when I was 10. So we were 10, 12, and 14. And uh, we just kind of just that that coming of age part of life and figuring out who we are and how we are. And we were just kind of hellions in a lot of respects. But then the other side of us, we we had some grounded like we looked out for each other Hmm. and took care of each other. Uh, We started working when we were young just because we didn't have a lot. My mom was a social worker. And so uh, that's part of why I love mercy. Honestly, it's Hmm. that I grew up in a counselor's home. and so I've always had an affinity for that kind of work. But um you know, it doesn't pay a lot. So yeah. true. <laughs> and when you have three boys, we ate everything she made uh, mm-hmm. or destroyed it. She used to say growing up, everything I have gets lost, stolen, broken, or misplaced. <laughs> and uh, oh. we would say, isn't misplaced the same as lost? Anyway, <laughs> so we grew up, you know, um, single mom and didn't really grow up in church. Actually, um, I, I was born, when I, when I was born, my parents had me dedicated as a baby and uh, once my parents divorced, we kind of were on and off in church. And then when I was about seven, we were living in northern Louisiana in Shreveport. And my mom was taking us to this, like, United Pentecostal kind of holiness church where the women don't cut their hair and don't wear makeup. And, um, you know, the guys wear suits all the time except maybe to shower. Mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. real, but real constricting. And that's mm-hmm. not really the personality of my mom or our family. And mm-hmm. anyway, we went all the time, Sunday, Sunday night, Wednesday uh, nights. And so one Sunday night while the pastor was preaching, my mom was sitting there. We always sat on the second row and she had short hair and makeup on cause she had come out of, I mean, that's just how she always mm-hmm. dressed. And my brothers and I were sitting there reading a, um, a magazine, like a Tony Hawk skateboard magazine. It's like 1987. <laughs> and the pastor literally stopped his sermon and kicked us out of the church from the pulpit mm. and said, you basically, you're not, good enough to be here, mm. right? So you're not, you, you won't get your life together, so just get out of here. Wow. And so we stood up and took the walk of shame. Wow. Nobody stopped and said, that's terrible. Oh. Like, everybody just let us leave. And, you know, that's a scar that if you don't get healed from, it, mm. you carry it for a very mm-hmm. long time. And I, I even said in our church, I've shared that story before, and people get mad for me. I, I'm you like, know? actually, my blood is boiling <laughs> right <Yeah>. now. <laughs> I'm going to have to calm down But, you know, here. moments like that have shaped me as a pastor mm, yeah. to be yeah. the kind of pastor that, man, I... I don't ever want to do that to anybody. I don't mm. care what baggage or what pain or sin or issues you bring in. Um, I want you to be found in Christ, not kicked out by his people. Mm. Mm. So anyway, that, that was a scarring 
reality. Sometimes we've, you know, my brothers and I have shared that story and thought about it again. It's like, man, that was really crazy hmm. on many levels. But um, that's part of what shapes us, you know, that, that story. So anyway, moving to Tennessee at 10 years old and got into sports. And then uh, all of us were, were into different things, sports and work. We always worked. Um, but really in high school, I got into music and I joined the choir. And that really shifted my life. Uh, a lot because I'm six six, it's like 250 pounds, and I, I, you know, I could hit hard, but I just hated getting hurt on the football field. Fair enough. And the musical yeah. was in the fall time, and so it was like uh-huh. I go to football practice and get beat up, or I go to the musical and put on makeup. <laughs> so it me, sounds me, 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 me. <laughs> it sounds way worse, but the truth is, I ended up going through music uh, all through high school, and I, I ended up on a full ride for classical voice opera wow. at, at the University of Tennessee, which is where I met my wife, who was a classical pianist. Mm. Uh, so we met in a music program at UT, and I fell in love right away. Just knew we'd get married, and she fell in love much later. Um, <laughs> she was a little slower on the uptake, but she had been waiting for her husband and praying for him and didn't mm-hmm. want to give up those prayers on some goofball. <laughs> so That may be true. <laughs> yeah. So I was, I was saved at 17, go to college. I'm a new Christian, and a couple years later is when I met her. But, but it was through that love of music and... And uh, really our heart for worship music and doing music together. Uh, but anyway, we got married after I graduated college. I ended up on staff at a church and loved that experience. I was going to go through graduate school for music, but I ended up serving as a choir director and then the youth pastor. And that pastor really in Knoxville, he's the one that told me that he sensed a call of God on my life for pastoring, which I thought was absurd. <laughs> Stephanie and I both thought that was crazy. He said this to me, and and now in light of this whole outreach magazine, it kind of is an interesting statement to hear again. Uh, he said, yeah. man, I just believe in you and your call for pastoring. He said, I think you'll pastor one of the greatest churches in the country mm-hmm. one day. Wow. I was 22 and I just laughed and I thought, wow, that's crazy. You know, how do you pastor a great church as an opera singer? <laughs> so anyway, mm-hmm. um, we, uh, you know, just stayed in ministry ever since. And I went to seminary and ended up coming to Clarksville uh, in 2010. And again, you know, we just wanted to see this church succeed and be healthy which meant not foreclose, you know. <laughs> yes. So the bar was low to start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It really was like anything was better than the situation. And mm. and truthfully, there was a group of people there that had had lived through some pain, and mm. and uh, they just wanted a pastor with some vision and mm. who loved them. And that's what we wanted to be was a pastor who loved people no matter what, mm-hmm. and uh, were willing to, you know, we moved from Missouri. It was like a six hour, seven hour drive uh, away, but. You know, our our hope was not to be anything special, but just to see this church survive. And and we loved the people right away. And it grew from like eighty five to two fifty in a year, and then to three fifty in another year, and then from three fifty to a thousand in like fifteen months. That was mm. fast growing. Wow. Yeah. That was crazy. We we went to three services that January, and then four services that September. Mm. Wow, that was a fast year. Yeah. And uh, oh yeah, we we have kids. So we were like, yes. we were building babies the whole time too. Lots of them. Uh, we have four daughters. Do- yeah, we have four daughters. So I'm the only guy in my house. Oh man. Um, but anyway, so it's kind of been a fast growing life for us ever since um, we've been married. Mm-hmm. I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the word growth defines a lot about us. Mm-hmm. So along the way, uh, you asked about identity and the the journey of that. So um, along the way, you know, just. You know, you grow in education, you grow in 
titles or you advance in titles or career or whatever, change titles, it doesn't matter. And, and then you kind of end up with all these different types of labels on you along the way. And uh, we do it politically, we do it culturally and socially and religiously. Mm-hmm. So one of the questions people ask about our church, what kind of church is it? Right? That's an mm, identity yeah. question. That's a label question. Mm-hmm. Are you Baptist? Are you Pentecostal? Are you whatever? Um, and then I'm Southern or are, what are you politically? Are you Republican or Democrat? Are you Libertarian? Are you other? Mm-hmm. Um, we have so many ways that we deal with issues of labels and identity. And so probably in the last three or four years, I've been wrestling through this notion of really what Paul said uh, to, to one of his churches in his letters. He said, man, I've got all this pedigree mm-hmm. behind me. Yeah. Like I was a Jew among Jews. I was a stu- student of Gamaliel. Of the Pharisees, I was like excellent. Of zeal, I was unmatched. And he mm. started giving all of everyone else's labels about himself. And then he says, But I count all of those labels as scubalon in the Greek, <laughs> which is a pile of dung. Poo. Yeah, it's a scubalon. pile of it's crap. Yeah, let's all say like that. Actually, yeah. Scubalon. <laughs> it's a fun Love word. that. So he says, All those labels anyone else has given me or I've given myself are nothing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Only to know Christ and him crucified and to be found in Christ. Mm-hmm. So I don't remember specifically when I started kind of dealing with that revelationally, like, you know, like when did that become a real important marker for me? But I think this notion as you read through, especially his letters, mm-hmm. he over and over again talks about being found in Christ, being in Christ, being known by Christ. If you've seen me, you you know, Jesus said it like this. If you've seen me, you've seen the father. Paul says for me to live is to is Christ. I mean, everything about my identity, about my life is in Christ and even to die is in Christ. So, yeah. I mean, what do you do with a guy like mm, that? Mm, <laughs> no yeah. You know, yeah. th- that guy has no, like, good luck. no stress mm-hmm. at all. <laughs> it's like everything about my life belongs to his name and yep. everything about my death belongs to his presence. So yeah. wow. that's, so I don't good. think, I, you know, I start w- working through that and I, I certainly don't have this figured out like in every moment of my life, right. mm-hmm. but I certainly feel like I'm directed that way yep. towards I, I want my life I talk to my kids about like who they are in Christ mm-hmm. and what it means to carry his name yeah. and I try to teach that as a pastor so I think all of that kind of you know I have I have lots of reasons to carry other identities and mm-hmm. other names pastor of this church or I'm a southerner I'm a Cajun I'm you know a husband I'm a whatever mm-hmm. but I don't none of that should matter mm. yeah I should, it's all scuba on mm-hmm. it's nothing mm-hmm. it's to be found in Christ yeah. is really the only label that matters. And really since Jesus, like he, he talked so many times about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, which back to that first pastor in Knoxville, he would say a kingdom is a king and its subjects. That's it. No mm. kingdom has two thrones. Mm. Wow. And so if I belong to his kingdom, mm. then that means I belong to his name. I belong to his heart and I don't get to share a throne. I don't get a junior throne. Mm-hmm. It's not like the kingdom of God with Mike's kingdom on the side <laughs> and Stephanie's palace in the corner of the mm-hmm. lot. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's kingdom of God. That's it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, anyway, so I'm, I'm kind of figuring out still what it yeah. looks like, what it really means to live into that. Cause I am a narcissist. I'm a type mm-hmm. A alpha person. I'm a DUI personality and I have my own ego insecurities, past baggage, all that kind of stuff. How do you subjugate all of that mm, yeah. to being found in Christ. So Which good. is just, in, it, it, it's just encouraging to hear that. I mean, I, I just think, man, this is something I just keep growing in. Mm-hmm. Like this is something every time I'm like, I think I got this identity thing down, like <laughs> got it down. Right. I'm good to go now. And something else will bring up like, Oh no, no, no. Here's another area to work on. And here's yeah. another day to grow, you know? And so it's, it's encouraging to hear, you know, a pastor, of the fastest growing church in the United States. Mm-hmm. I won't say that every time, I promise. Um, but just to know, it's like, just scuba so, on. <laughs> scuba on. I'm going to say that every time. Um, 
But just to know that no one's exempt from this. No one has reached this magical place where they have nowhere else to grow in this area. Even Jesus said, Mm -hmm. if you've seen me, you've actually seen the Father. Mm. He didn't even want to carry Mm. anything outside of the heart of the Father. Yeah, yeah, so good. So the fact that mercy is free for us girls, like that was just so unreal to me. I couldn't believe that we didn't have to worry about finances or put that burden on our families. I already felt like I had burdened my family with so many different things. So now adding a financial burden of trying to get me better just felt like it was just too much to bear. So being able to go there, go there free, not having to worry about finances was just like, honestly such a relief and just one less thing to worry about and so to the people who are giving and donating I mean it's been the most life-changing thing for me and I can't say thank you enough I can't imagine having to navigate finances while working on my issues at the same time and all that it would just be such an an additional layer and so having that freedom I mean, I just like, I can't say thank you enough. It means the world to me. It changed my life and I'm able to do what I do now because of it. So thank you. So please consider supporting this free programming by giving a gift at mercymultiplied.com. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Mercy Multiplied. So why would you say then, Mike, speaking of this identity piece, why is it so important for us as believers, as sons and daughters, to understand our identity in Christ. You know, there's all the conversation about what it looks like for us, but why? Like at the end of the day, why is this so important for us not to fall into all of the other things that we know we can carry in our identity? Why is that so important, would you say? Um, Well, I think for a number of reasons, Mm -hmm. uh, practically, first of all, it's biblical. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Jesus, in Matthew chapter four, the very last thing before the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew five, it says Jesus went about preaching the gospel of the kingdom mm-hmm. that had never happened in the Bible. Yeah. So all of a sudden there's a new good news. There's a new message and it's this message of kingship. Yeah. Right. I don't know why I get emotional <laughs> thinking about that, <laughs> but that, that God reigns and we don't have to. Mm-hmm. The fall of mankind is a kingdom issue. Yeah. The fall of mankind is an identity issue. The temptation in the garden of Eden was not about fruit. No one's tempted to be a vegan for the love of God. <laughs> Amen, brother. To the men. <laughs> to all the vegans out there listening, I'm sorry. But anyway, uh, oh, the temptation that the serpent tempted the woman with, he's, he says it. He, he actually tempts her with deception. He said, did God really say not eat of any fruit of the trees? And she's corrected him. She said, no. He said not to eat of the tree of the fruit in the garden, the tree in the middle of the garden. Because mm-hmm. when we eat it, we'll die. And the devil says to her, you won't die. When you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you'll be just like God. Mm. They were tempted with identity, yep. a different identity. And so, of course, they eat the fruit and they think they're going to have a new name, a new power, a new identity. So I, I think it's incredibly biblical mm-hmm. because the whole issue of sin, brokenness, fallenness, the reason we assault others, the reason we go, give in to sin it's because we don't understand who we are because we don't really know whose we are. Yeah, that's right. right. And mm-hmm. so identity, Jesus comes around preaching the gospel of the kingdom. All of the law was a guardian. The Bible says, Paul says in Romans, to get us to Christ. But then Jesus comes around teaching this good news of the gospel, of the, of the message of the kingdom of God, that he wants to be king, which means we lose our identity. So think of any kingdom in history, right? Mm-hmm. When King James was the king 
It was his kingdom. Everything had his name and his face on it. Everything was about King James. Hail the king. Mm-hmm. Well, the kingdom of God, everything's about the name of God. Everything's mm-hmm. about the name of Jesus. Hail the king. And that means everyone else loses their name. Yeah. Loses the value of their name. So it's important to the body of Christ because uh, actually at the end of John, you know, it says, uh, John chapter 20, Jesus, you know, all these things he said, I, I could write about a whole lot more, but everything I've written, it's so that you would know that Jesus is the Christ and that he's the Messiah and that knowing these things, you'll have life in his name. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's important to know because that's the only way to have everlasting mm-hmm. life mm-hmm. and to have eternal living. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, that's we preach good. this gospel of eternal life. Yeah. Say this prayer and you'll live forever in eternity. But there's also, it's actually about eternal living. That's so good. That is yep. good. For now. I like that. Yep. So how do I overcome sin? Because I'm not my own. Yeah. Paul says, I've been bought with a price. I'm not my own anymore. The old man's dead. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's an identity mm-hmm. statement. The old me is gone. The yeah. old Pharisee of Pharisees, the super righteous and moral religious guy that I was mm-hmm. is dead. Mm-hmm. Behold, all things are made new. So identity deals with sin. It deals with uh, how we handle other people. Mm-hmm. Why am I not going to steal? Why am I not going to beat my wife? Why am I not going to lie to you guys? Because I'm not, I don't get to do that. Right. I don't get to be me. I get to be who God is mm-hmm. calling me to mm-hmm. be. Yeah. So anyway, I, you know, yeah. I think it, I, I can talk about this forever because I think it has implications in <laughs> every area of life. Absolutely. Now, I said earlier, my disclaimer, my wife sitting beside me, I don't get this right all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, there are days that I yell at my kids because I'm tired mm-hmm. or because they're tired and they won't stop, you know, or whatever. <laughs> and I don't talk to them like a son of God. Right. Sometimes I talk to them like a father of my children mm. and then I have to regroup and go, oh, hmm. you know. but, Man. but it really does have implications in every part of your life. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm interested, you know, one of the things that I guess even I've had to learn personally was just that it wasn't a matter of me just knowing my identity in Christ, but I actually need to know who the father is right. <laughs> before I can ever know who I actually am. Um, and so I'm interested to know y'all's thoughts on that, of just the importance of knowing who God is, knowing his character, and also knowing how he sees me. Cause it actually doesn't matter what I see in myself or what other people see in me. What does God see in me? Yeah. And so I'm interested to know y'all's thoughts just on, um, you know, why is it important to know him and know his character mm-hmm. when it comes to this idea of finding our identity? So um, I looked to Stephanie because we were talking about this on the drive here. Uh, she's reading in Romans last night. Uh, Romans 1 says that, <clears throat> first of all, I, th- I think why it's important is because it was important to God. He mm-hmm. gave a lot of effort to reveal himself. Mm-hmm. Right. So the, do- <laughs> yeah. the doctrine of revelation st- yeah. tells us that God reveals himself primarily in three ways. General revelation through creation particular revelation through the scripture and specific revelation through Jesus. Yeah. So God has made it very much a priority mm-hmm. to reveal himself to us. So Romans one says that even in creation, people are without an excuse to see the divine, what attributes mm-hmm. of God, right? So we see his nature, they're clearly visible. And then the scripture points us to Christ. Romans ten seventeen says it builds your faith. It builds your confidence in who God is and how he is. Even in the midst of knuckleheads, like all of the old Testament in particular, I go, God, I would have knocked them out. Like, why did you keep them around? <laughs> because it shows the long suffering and the mm. mercy and the steadfastness of God who had a greater plan, right? Mm-hmm. So we're seeing the heart of God and his compassion, his movability, even though we say he's an immutable God. But go read the story of him and Moses going back and forth mm, yeah. about Israel. Like some days God's going, I'm going to kill all of Israel, Moses. <laughs> and Moses goes, no, no, no. Let me just get two people. Yeah, just, yeah. Remember that list? Yeah, he starts yeah, with like, like well, if I can find a hundred, how about 50, 20, yeah. two? Yeah. <laughs> And then the next paragraph is God 
Moses going, God, kill him. Just wipe him out. I'm tired mm-hmm. of these people. And God's like, now Moses, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so anyway, I think it's important because he's made it important. Mm. And, uh, because if we clearly understand who and how he is, mm-hmm. and then we realize that all of that is transferred and, and brought into human form in Christ. And then the Bible says that he's one of us. Yeah. It tells us that God not only desired to reveal himself, but he desired to be among us. Mm. And then Jesus says in John 14, I have to go to the Father. I'm going to go back to the right hand of the Father because the promise mm. of God's presence, now this presented and this this revealed Godhead is going to come and dwell in you. Mm-hmm. So it's important to understand who God is because the same God who raised Christ from the dead dwells in us. Mm-hmm. We are the temple of the living God, the Holy Spirit of God. Yep. And how should we live? It's yep. not by rules and religion. It's by understanding who we are, who he is, and, and who he says we are. So and understanding God, sorry, understanding God is, is part of how we understand how to live for God. Yeah. But religion tells us how to do it by rules, but revelation tells us how to do it out of intimacy with his, perp- his yeah. person and yeah. who he is. And doesn't it, I mean, that is exactly why it makes sense that we're always growing in the area of identity because we're always growing in our understanding of who he is. Like right. we never get to the end of who he That's is so good. till the day we die. Will we continue to know more and more and more of his character and more and more of who he is? Therefore, we will continue to grow in knowing more and more of who we are. So mm-hmm. this may be a little nerdy, but just, go for it. We like nerdy. We embrace just, that. Yeah, here. Just, Let's do it. Embrace it. nerdy. <laughs> so if God, to your point about knowing him more and more. You know, the scripture says that we grow from glory to glory to Mm -hmm. glory. If God is eternal in one way, he has to be eternal in every way. Mm. And so who can, who can search Mm -hmm. the unsearchableness of his, what does that text say? Like who can, who can know the unsearchable greatness of our God? There's so much more to know of him and to discover of him. This is why intimacy with the Holy Spirit is so important. Yeah. But he's infinite in every direction, in every part of who he is. Mm. So he's infinite in grace and mercy and love and justice and wrath and vengeance. He's like, he's intimate. I mean, he's infinite Mm -hmm. in every possible way. Yeah. And and even knowing that, by the way, (laughs) is how, yeah, I told you it's nerdy. My mind just went, (laughs) (laughs) maybe done for the day. (laughs) This is why Jesus talks about forgiveness as just this ongoing reality. Yeah. Because he's infinite in forgiveness. Mm. Awesome. You confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you. But we aren't like that. Mm-hmm. No. How do you grow in forgiveness? When your identity is shaped by the infinitesimude, I don't know if that's a word, <laughs> by the infinite nature, infinite nature of God's yeah. forgivableness. Mm-hmm. Forgive, <laughs> forgive. Words are hard. <laughs> forgivableness. Well, anytime you're talking about the infinite sea of God, it's like, whoa. I, I think it's infinitude. Inf- Isn't that a word? Sure. It is now. We yeah, like it. I, like it. I, I make fun of George Bush sometimes when I make up words when I'm preaching, and then I have an impression. Infinitude. <laughs> then I start doing it, and my church gets like crazy laughter. Oh, over man. My I'm sure that's my frequently Bushisms. requested. That's awesome. They video captured it and used it. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, anyway. it's so good. Oh, my goodness. Well, I think if we're, as we're getting ready to wrap up, I would say I have one final question for y'all. And that is what do you feel like is one of the most powerful truths? that you feel like you personally, either or of you, that the Lord has shown you as far as your identity? Because often we haven't hit a ton on that today, but really so much of the work we do at Mercy or just as sons and daughters of God, it's identifying the things that we believe that are not true. If I believe that my identity is based on trauma or hurts or my performance or whatever, and I get bound up in that, 
it does become hard to really see who God sees me as. And so part of that is coming to a place of truth and going, Lord, what do you have to say? So Mm -hmm. do y'all have any thoughts on that from your own personal story or things that you feel like this is an area the Lord has really been showing me past or even recently as far as truth of what Mm -hmm. he's been showing you about yourself? Oh, and here comes Stephanie. Hey, yeah. Hey, (laughs) oh. I just want to reiterate the point that, you know, it's so important for us to know what scripture is telling us. Mm, yeah, um, if, good. if we're, you know, just distance from scripture and spending time with the Lord, it's really hard to mm, know and yeah. feel that connection mm-hmm. with who I am and what he says I am and who he says yeah. I can be. And otherwise we just get lost and, and culture mm-hmm. always has a label. And so mm-hmm. I just, I just think that connection with, um, scripture and just being reminded constantly, um, no matter what's being thrown at us or circumstances that seem mm-hmm. super difficult. If we're just, if we go to scripture, because that's the truth. Yeah. Yep. That's the truth. I mean, culture is always shifting. It's shifting sand all the time, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but that will keep us, you know, um, in the straight and narrow, if you will, mm-hmm. will keep us in mm-hmm. line with what he has yeah. for us. Yeah. So it's good. Support it. And I would add, you know, as far as like a, a specific, uh, recent revelation on this stuff, uh, I said it to my church, to the church I pastor, a couple times recently. <laughs> God never has a negative opinion about you. Mm-hmm. And so many, every label is negative to somebody. Yeah, wow. that's right. If you're in a room full of conservatives, the people outside hate you because you're not a liberal. If you're yeah. in a room full of liberals, like somebody hates you for it. Every label has a negative side to it, mm-hmm. right? But God never does. And wow. and when you, like my kids, I got four girls and they just know what it feels like to crawl in my lap and just be my daughter. Yeah, that's good. Um, God never has a negative opinion about you. Mm-hmm. Even when you sin and he corrects you, it's out of love. Mm. Yeah. It's out of him wanting to make you better. He never, that's why any other label just has its flaws. Yeah. Any other identity marker, you're a failure, you're a success, you're the pastor of the greatest church in the country, whatever. It has a bad side to it. Yeah. Now you're an egomaniac. You think you're better than, you know, it has these negative connotations. God never does. Mm. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. I mean, we all know this text. And in the immediate context, he was talking to, you know, uh, diaspora Jews in, in God's plan to restore them and give them a, a place. But, but the broad sense of God's heart towards his people is my plans of you are good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They are not evil. Mm-hmm. They're of a hope and a future. And when, when we grasp that, man, I don't, and I don't care what you say about me because mm-hmm. I know what my God says about me. That's mm-hmm. right. I, I was in marriage counseling with a couple, they're getting married and they're just sharing their story and their background. And she says, uh, you know, she's got a lot of, um, similar story to so many that, that you guys work with, I'm sure too. And she said, I was, I was an accident. My parents didn't mm. plan on me. I was an accident. And I wrote that word down in my, my notebook as I'm taking notes on the conversation. I come back around to it and I said, Hey, by the way, you used a, a label that, that I don't think you should ever use again. Mm, Cause she said it as if she's just said it so many times. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm an fact. accident. Yeah. yeah. And I said, I said, let me just remind you that Jesus was an unplanned pregnancy. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and I, I don't think there was any accident in that. I said, since we believe the Bible that he knows the beginning from the end, you weren't an accident. And mm-hmm. I said, God knew that you'd be sitting right here and me'd be the one to tell you that one day since before you, the foundation of the world. Yeah. You know, so anyway, I, you know, I think every label, all these things have, have a negative side somehow, but, but realizing that God never has a negative thought towards yeah. us. Hmm. That's even, huge. Even when he corrects our sin. He doesn't look at you and he says, I can't believe you did that. Mm-hmm. He says, my son paid for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. You don't have to live in that anymore. You don't have to be who they say you are. You don't have to live in addiction. You don't have to live in bondage or sin or anything. I paid for that. Yeah. Like that's paid for. Why are you paying for that again? Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, that's awesome. It is so good. It's just making me sit here and go like, I, 
I want to know more of who you are, Lord. Yes. Like just more and more and more and more. Because I do feel like there there comes a point sometimes in people's journeys where they realize, man, I've been listening to the world, you know, a lot. Like I've been listening to what other people say about me or say to me. And you kind of shift and you're like, I'm going to listen to what God says about yeah. me. But then you have another layer of like actually knowing what God actually thinks and says over you. Mm-hmm. And you have got to use the truth of scripture. And you've also got to know how to connect with him heart to heart, yes. spirit to spirit, and let him speak over you. Um, but but so much of that, I keep going back to this, like it really does go back to us understanding his character mm-hmm. and his heart. Because if we don't. I mean, I can just think of times in my own life where I've thought, like, he must be so annoyed with me right now. Mm -hmm. Or, like, just so disappointed. Or, you know, it's just not, it's me not understanding fully his heart and who he is. And so it just makes me that much more even now, like, all right, I want (laughs) to learn more. I want to go more, you know, just because I know that it affects every part of our lives, especially identity. Mm -hmm. So That's um, huge. Yep. Well, Stephanie. Would you mind praying for our listeners? And if there's any other thing that you'd like to share. Mm -hmm. But I think a lot of what we've been discussing today, I can imagine, is maybe for some kind of dropping, there's a little bit of some bombs of like, oh my gosh, I'm I'm realizing that my identity is in some things that they're not supposed to be. Mm -hmm. Or this whole concept that God doesn't have this type of thought towards me. I mean, that's huge revelation. And so if you wouldn't mind praying, and then we'll wrap up. Thank you so much. Lord, thank you so much for this conversation. Lord, thank you for these thoughts, Lord, where sometimes we just have to be get, get honest with ourselves, Lord, and we have mm-hmm. to realize, Lord, that you have so much for us and we've been living in what might be a lie or a label or a um, just something that someone else put on us. But Lord, you you have a different way of looking at us and viewing us, Lord. You love us so much, Lord. And I, I thank you for the listeners, God, who've, who've joined in today that maybe are struggling with this and just not sure who they are in Christ. And Lord, we're just so reminded, Lord, that you you love us so much and that you gave Christ for us, Lord, so mm-hmm. that we can live and we can be whole with you, Lord. We thank you. Um, and we're reminded of the scriptures, Lord, that say that we are adopted to sonship and daughtership mm-hmm. with yes, you, God. that as we believe in your name, that you give us the right to become the children of God. Mm-hmm. Like Mike was saying, we just crawl up in your lap, Lord, and you, you put your loving arms around us. And we thank you for that. We thank you that we can turn to you, God, no matter what path we've come before today today, Lord, that we can take this moment right now and Mm -hmm. and bring this before you. And you're waiting with open arms, God, to receive us and love us and remind us of who we are, that we are your child. We're your daughter. We're your son. And we thank you for that in Jesus name. Mm -hmm. Amen. 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 Well, thank you both again so much for joining us today. And we hope that all of you will join us again next week as we continue this conversation on identity. We hope you enjoyed the show today. If you have any thoughts or questions about what we discussed, or if you'd like to share your ideas for future podcast topics, please let us know by emailing us at mercytalk at mercymultiply.com. And if you're enjoying Mercy Talk, be sure that you go to Apple Podcasts to subscribe and to leave us a five-star review. We also want to remind you that Mercy Multiplied and Mercy Talk are funded solely by donors, and we are so thankful for the support of so many people all over the country and even the world. So please consider supporting this free programming by giving a gift at mercymultiplied.com. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Mercy Multiplied. Thanks for listening today, and we hope you'll join us next week.